0: Welcome to Unlocking Impact. I'm your host, Sarah Schoenfeld, CEO of the Trade Impact Foundation. In this podcast, we cover issues at the intersection of the global economy, sustainability, and human rights. If we want to be conscious consumers, we must support companies and brands that practice ethical manufacturing. But how do we know if a product was produced ethically? The manufacturing process is not linear. And people might think that a pair of shoes, for example, is made in one place and shipped to your door or to the store. But in reality, the materials from one pair of shoes are sourced from all over the world. The resin rubber can be from Thailand, while the polyester laces can be from India. And ultimately, these different components can be shipped to China to be manufactured into a finished product, the shoe. And at each point along the way, during the sourcing of the raw materials, during the manufacturing process, as well as throughout transportation, your products leave an environmental and a social footprint all over the world. So the question is, how do we know if we should feel good about our purchases if we don't know the story behind our products? In this episode, I speak to Todd Smith, someone who is on this journey right now to make the story and the impact of our goods more transparent. Todd is the founder and CEO at KYG Trade, the Know Your Goods trade association platform and marketplace, which is a SaaS platform and marketplace utilizing blockchain technology. Todd is also the founding chairman of the Origin BX Oasis Open Standards Project, where he works on developing an open source international set of data standards for trade attestations. Todd has over 15 years of Big Four international trade consulting experience, and you can follow him on his LinkedIn, which we've included in the episode description. Thank you so much for making the time today to chat with us.
1: Thank you, Sarah. Happy to be here.
0: So I think that you, know, you and I see the future in a very similar way where consumers hopefully will one day be able to compare their products and the brands that they support, not just based on the financial cost, but also on the human cost and potentially the environmental cost, and hopefully the positive impact that they're having as well. Are these some of the things that you were trying to move forward with the Know Your Goods platform?
1: Yeah, most most, most definitely. You know, as the name... Suggest you know we're trying to promote the transparency and visibility you know into what makes a a product whether it's a raw material an intermediate or a finished product like a shoe and and we feel that you know there, that that there will be value in the information that we're going to be making available in a very open and transparent way to multiple stakeholders ranging from governments, corporates, and end consumers.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, that really starts with providing a more transparent view of the life of our products, you know, before they come to our doorstep from Amazon or direct from the website or maybe from the store. So let's talk through the importance of that issue and explain how we can differentiate between products and brands today.
1: What's important to one brand may be different and important you know, from another brand. What, what we are promoting is, you know, regardless of that interest, what is the actual fact? You know, what do what the facts say right, about what went into the sourcing and design? Regardless of the motivation and intention of the manufacturer or the brand in terms of their sourcing decisions, what we're trying to capture is what actually happened.
0: Well, I love that because, you know, everything we're doing here is about impact, right? Because I think we see a lot we see a lot of statements being made and a lot of, I, I think a lot of good intentions, and I do think so. I think they're genuine. And I think there's a lot of reasons for those good intentions, both, you know, kind of those lofty goals of we want to do good, but also that, you know, consumers are expecting these values to be brought into the product and to the product design. And so you're seeing brands responding to that from just a, you know, business perspective. But so in the very beginning, right, what can we talk about, you know, in terms of the materials? What do you think that a designer is thinking about at that moment?
1: Yeah, I think that they're thinking now more and more, you know, today about sustainability. It's becoming front and center because of the Uyghur issue and, you know, other stories that you're hearing, you know, come through NGOs and government. So I think there is a a, a global consciousness that has evolved when it comes to sourcing and sustainability. You know, as you mentioned, you know, there's, a, there are brands that are, are giving and paying more focus, you know, to their sourcing decisions. A lot of us are concerned about the validity, you know, of the claims that, that, that these brands are making and, and, and how can you, substantiate and back up you know claims that you know our product is sourced you know without forced labor or it's you know sourced from recycled materials or the producer manufacturer that we've contracted with in bangladesh is carbon neutral i mean right You, you you hear and read all kinds of sustainability carbon neutrality type claims but how do you back those claims up where you know where is the transparency around the data that went into the analysis that led to the conclusion that brands are, are are promoting and that's that's what we're getting at there there are lots of new certifications i mean it's almost like the number of certifications on you know, whether or not your product is sustainable or not, you know, is it going to fill up the label?
0: No, it it, <laughs> it, it grows because... every day, right? It grows. <laughs> and and so one of the issues there is, you know, when you see all these labels and certifications coming out, it's very difficult, I think, av- as a, a consumer to determine what it really means, you know, and right. you might see two different certifications that both sound very nice, but they mean totally different things. One may fo- focus on ethical labor standards, and one may focus on sustain- you know, environmentally sustainable sourcing. So right. depending on what's important to the consumer, I think that the distinctions need to be clear so that a consumer can say, well, I I'm passionate about X, so I want to support that, and at least to understand what they're supporting. And so how can you envision a time where the consumer is able to not just see that there's a certification but actually understand the details behind that that label
1: exactly so could there be a better way could there be a qr code you know as you said going you're, you're in the store you're looking at a product you're online looking at products could there be a a qr code or a link rather than a 100 you know labels of certificates you know that different certification authorities you know have come up with and stamped right onto the label of a product could there not just be a qr code or a link that would take the consumer to a site that you could then drill down on and get all this rich data
0: if you're leading a company trying to understand you know how your your own company's products are being made today you know does that Executive, do they have visibility to how the products are being made at the assembly line and even further back, how those materials are sourced, right? So for example, with the shoe, if we talk, if we're talking about a leather, a shoe that has leather in it. So you know, from the sourcing of the leather itself, then onto the, you know, the factory where that leather is now being manufactured into a shoe. What kind of visibility does the company have today? And what are the obstacles to that transparency?
1: Based on my experience, it's not very visible, I don't think, unless there is an executive, you know, that that really gets into that granular detail. It's more, in, it is down more in the sourcing Areas of the companies because you have decisions that are being made at a very granular level. Like, if you think of a bill of materials, there are experts within companies that are sourcing components like leather or glue, right? That go into the production of a shoe. And they're in the weeds down in the sourcing departments of companies. And they have policies and procedures and playbooks on how to source. And in those playbooks and policies, they'll have must be sourced from a sustainable factory. These are countries we, we don't work in. You know? And so they, you know, they're working within the confines you know, of, of their playbooks. But you know, do the executives, I guess, really get down into that granular detail? I think they're spending more time today because of the press around Uyghurs and, and forced labor and how NGOs and consumers are demanding more information. But historically, it's been in the sourcing departments that have relationships with factories, right? In you know countries that produce these goods, and, and that's how they're sourcing. And I also know for sure that those playbooks and policies and procedures within the sourcing departments are clearly designed around regulations. But now, because of even more concern over sustainability, there aren't so many regulations on, you know, must meet a certain carbon neutral threshold before you can import it today. That's all coming from consumer demand, right? And and brands are now spending more time and attention. If there's a new company and you're seeing companies say we're sustainably sourced, obviously, that was a decision that came down from the top, the board, the CEO, the investors. And so they've... They filter down to sourcing and say, this is how we're going to source our products. But for a lot of very established brands, I I can't, I couldn't say if senior executives really get into that level of detail. But again, re- irrespective of what's in the mind of the executive, we're hoping to provide rich data so that if they do want to know, they'll have a very quick and easy way to find that out. Because if they ask today those questions and they ask companies, if the if the board asks the company to Track and provide traceability down to the resin that went into the outer sole of our tennis shoe. I, I am telling you that a lot of companies cannot push a button, right? That will just map that heritage genealogy down to the, re- to the resin and then back up again, the progeny, you know, where that resin went to and what products it made its way into. They can't push a button and get that information. They're putting it together through Excel sheets and different data sources. Somebody is trying to put this information together because they're in, in the vast majority of organizations. It doesn't exist in that type of format because it's in so many different locations, so many different systems, many of which aren't even within one company. They're in multiple companies.
0: Yeah, so there's a number of things I want to ask you about. So one thing I find so frustrating I mean, it's it's a positive thing, but I'm very frustrated watching it happen because I just felt like the potential was there so long ago. Is all this progress right now on forced labor? So yeah. you you spoke about the Uyghur population and you know different labor practices that are being questioned in China. I liked how you pointed out how at the corporate level it starts at the regulation, and then the company is looking to comply with the regulation, and that is why when we see all this action you know in the US government we've seen a lot of activity in regulating forced labor and trying to be stricter on the enforcement so now we're seeing companies as well being more stringent and taking more proactive steps to make sure that there is no forced labor in their supply chains i mean obviously nobody wants forced labor in their supply chains but there's you know levels of action that you can take and and resources you can expend to continue to to vet your factories and and check on them and and all that so now when we see everyone is really talking a lot about carbon, and I think that, you know, we see at the U.S. level, the EU level, the multilateral level, we're seeing a lot of kind of these these different brainstorming sessions going on and different frameworks being put forward on how they can regulate carbon. It, it'll be interesting to see how those potentially, you know, new regulations would come through and then companies would have to react to that. In a similar fashion, would you see it you know would you see an emphasis on carbon regulation leading to progress similar to the forced labor progress we've seen recently?
1: it's happening, yeah I mean I think I think the EU the, well, I don't think the EU is ahead of the u s for example, in terms of implementing legislation around carbon neutrality, you know carbon neutral goals, and what's evolving is the Controls around claims and accuracy around claims that companies are making around their compliance with these evolving regulations. You know, we, we're, we're the, the SEC, you know, the the agency that sort of governs reporting on public companies, and the IFRS and the rest of the world, which is an accounting um, standard. They are forming committees today to come up with regulations, yeah, regulations around reporting, public companies reporting of this information, because what what we're seeing is that the valuation, the stock valuation of public companies are now being influenced by these carbon neutral sustainability claims and how companies are complying with the new regulations that you just mentioned that are evolving around this area. It's the Wild West right now. Companies, public companies are making all kinds of claims. Totally. And the consumer just reads it. And now we have baked into the valuation of public companies a component, you know, for their ESG sustainability claims. Well, how do you audit the accuracy of these claims? There's no, there are are no standards around that. That's why the SEC and IFRS are forming these committees, you know, to come up with what is a material statement that can influence the value or stock price claims that you know, these public companies are making? It's a wild west, but it's, it's evolving. Some companies are going to get ahead of that and they're going to implement controls and methods and processes to accurately, to ensure that they're not making material misstatements about their own sustainability claims. Other Absolutely. companies you know or just making claims without, you know, really having any controls around it.
0: And I think some of that comes from the the ambiguity in a lot of these terms. You know, you'll obviously the word sustainable means a lot of things to different people and yeah. ethical, conscious. I mean, all these different terms there's no one set definition. And so you see companies being accused of greenwashing. And sometimes when I think too hard I start to see everything as, as greenwashing because (laughs) we're not, because we're right. Because we're not seeing the data and the concrete action. We're seeing these very nice, nicely worded marketing pushes. So to me, it's, it's so hard to discern between, you know, between two competitors, who's going to be more ethical, you know, and I'm having a lot of trouble feeling that visibility that I think would give me like a personal connection to the story of my products, right? And I yeah. would feel really good about buying a notebook that was sustainably sourced. But if every notebook says it's sustainably sourced, what do I know what to do?
1: Right. And what does it mean? What does it mean? Yeah. Yeah. No. It's why the transparency getting into again, you know, component trees, you know, components that went into the production of a product and the location, that type of visibility which has never ever been made available before because a lot of it, a lot of that is actually trade secret information. Competitors, companies don't want their competitors knowing, you know, who they source or where they source resin from at the price that they get it because maybe it does something special that makes their product unique. So you have that tension, you know, between having something that's truly unique and proprietary that gives you an edge as a manufacturer and transparency into the production of that product think about it yeah you know coke doesn't want you to know their recipe we still don't know the coke recipe right but now (laughs) consumers are like hey i want to know you know where i want to know everything you know and how much so there is this inherent tension but you know it's changing the whole mindset is changing it changes with each generation You know, the new, the younger generation coming up today that has, you know, purchasing power is demanding things and information that older generations never thought of. So, and I think
0: they're, and I think they're louder, right? Because of social media, this generation has a louder voice and is being heard at a level that I think other generations had never been. And so, you're seeing corporate decision makers trying to balance those pressures. Which are good pressures, but at the same time, if we don't know, you know, how to go forward, at some point, no one's going to be happy, right? Like, you you can seek to be better and better and better, but if the consumer is unhappy with, you know, imperfection, that's a problem. If the consumer is happy with mediocre results, that's also a problem. So we need to find a way that we can kind of be in the middle there of we want to keep doing better, but we also don't want to be constantly critical because there's so much uncertainty. And like you said, there's so many different standards. I think that sometimes it's almost more helpful to start by looking at the product, you know, start by like to your platform, start by knowing your product and then thinking about, you know, the impact of your product. I mean, that's a lot of what, you know, we research at the, the Trade Impact Foundation of, you know, looking at the impact of your Goods, your products. Instead of starting with this very gigantic framework, feeling a little bit overwhelmed, and then trickling it down to what's relevant to you, maybe if we started our core and go outwards, that might help with this kind of um, confusion. The core (laughs) for
1: a product is is its building materials, and you know because it lists every component, how much of each component, and then also it, it also gets into effort labor involved in production and that's what we're focused on it's 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 visibility into the components it's the ingredient the recipe going back to coca-cola and what we're doing with blockchain what's so cool you know about blockchain and why we can actually do this today so I, it's interesting that the technology is enabling the auditability and visibility and the traceability that we can give a consumer with trust and confidence and a government regulator. Because without blockchain, there would always be questions about the accuracy and, and the reliability of the data, the source data, right, that went into the production of a good. With blockchain, we can immutably record and you know notarize and credentialize the source data and allow a consumer or a government authority to review that with trust that that in fact is the source data. And it was provided by a reliable source or not, right? So the technology that's evolved is enabling this um, ability to have transparency up and down the supply chain without necessarily giving away the trade secrets in the secret recipes because we can allow the data owner, the manufacturer, the owner of the recipe to, at a very granular level, determine who has access to that information.
0: That's really interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't think about it exactly that way, how, you know, it's just really interesting how you say that the, capabilities and the technological advances are keeping up with and kind of matching our expectations, right, on the sustainability side. So as the consumer is demanding more, we actually can deliver more. And maybe we're going to see that kind of track through to the future. And that would be awesome, right? That's That would be great. And that's, I think, a lot of what you're trying to do.
1: Exactly. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And the technology The open technology that's available as open source shareware technology that is is available today, you know, there are several open standards projects that make this type of technology available. The one I'm referring to in particular is one that has been adopted by U.S. Customs and other government agencies. It's W3C is the open standards body and they have a specification for decentralized identifiers and verifiable credentials in other words a passport Todd's passport that's not issued by a government authority that means that Todd Smith is who he says he is and that that is a protocol it's a methodology and it's a standard that any software vendor or company can obtain and incorporate into their tooling you know, without paying enormous software license fees to uh, a proprietary vendor for the rest of their, you know, for the rest of the years, the company's in existence. So that's, that's another thing, just the open source community and different techniques and technologies that are emerging is also helping to facilitate the transparency and the accuracy and the ability to verify and notarize data in a way that has never been possible.
0: And anybody can go onto the system to check people, to search yeah. for people and verify their credibility, basically.
1: Yep. That's exactly right.
0: Okay. So takeaways from today. Let's say I'm con- I'm a consumer. I go to the store, I pick up a shoe. <laughs> uh, I look at the shoe label and it says made in China. What, what do I do next? If I'm a conscious consumer and I want to know more about you know, the labor practices or the materials being put into my shoe? What, what do I do?
1: Well, again, hopefully there's a QR code and you just simply scan the QR code and you're going to get all this rich information. And, you know, hopefully the, the direction and the source that that QR code takes you to, you know, provides you the trust and the, and the confidence that you're seeking, you know, in terms of that, bill of material, component, sourcing information. It's going to be up to the brands to figure out, you know, which, you know, technology they're going to employ that, you know, that, that, that is, is provided when you when you scan the QR code or the barcode on these products or you click a link on an e-commerce site in terms of, you know, the accuracy and the richness of that data. There, there will be companies that are providing solutions to help brands provide that rich data to the consumer, you know, and and you know Todd Smith's vision is it's a simple and really simple QR code or barcode that's already on packaging that will that will give you the key to that information. The accuracy and uh, validity of the information is really going to depend on on the providers of of the data, but as a consumer. Hopefully, if if you know again using the techniques that we'll be deploying at KYG Trade through a marketplace, you'll have confidence that the information is reliable, it's accurate, and you know based on ratings and and performance and audits that have been done by other agencies and governments and consumers knowledgeable in the space, you'll have confidence that what you're reviewing you know is accurate and it's truthful. And furthermore, you know if if there is a statement about the you know the the fibers in in cotton and a test that was done on those fibers using dna or some other type of an analysis there will be explanations to sarah to help understand what all that means you know so that when you see it you can do further research into that methodology that went into the test so you have more confidence about it
0: that yeah that would be great and when when do you think We're going to see that as a more regular practice.
1: It's happening today, you know, and the adoption of, I mean, what I'm seeing is the the adoption rate with smaller startups, obviously, you know, is, is, is happening faster. You have a lot of new brands that you'll see online that are already adopting, you know, this capability to differentiate themselves from the larger, more established brands, you know, which, which, you know big organizations change takes longer you know than a small nimble startup but even the bigger brands are laying the, the groundwork today there was an announcement a few months ago LVMH you know has created a a block not created but working with industry and their own competitors they've come up with a blockchain to help with traceability so you'll you'll see more and more of this happening over time but it's happening today it is happening today it's just a matter of the rate of adoption
0: Okay, so last question for you. So in this community at this podcast, we're always trying to continue to grow and learn and focus on our professional and personal growth. So can you share with us one thing that you are currently looking to learn or further develop?
1: I am I am looking to learn and and further develop, I guess, an ability around imagery, photos uh, and videos of um you know, people and geography that will tell a story based on that photo or image or video instead of instead of written words and and you know bits and bytes ones and zeros.
0: Are you are you working on that in a specific capacity?
1: That is something that we're working on with with technology partners, and it's an emerging. You know, you you've heard about artificial intelligence and machine learning. A lot of those methodologies rely on digital data, but usually it's in the form of, you know, written words, you know, numbers, characters, right? So we're working with technology partners to move that into a more visual, again, through photos and videos instead of words and numbers.
0: Very cool. Very cool. So thank you so much, Todd, for being on today. I had a great time talking about products and the stories of our products with you. And it was so nice talking to you again after not seeing you for a while. You haven't worked together in a while.
1: Yeah, it's been great, Sarah. Let's stay in touch.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thank you. So what can we take away from the conversation today? I really enjoyed hearing about the progress with regards to supply chain transparency and the concept of having a QR code where you can really directly see the data the underlying information and understand it as todd said some companies are already incorporating blockchain and other technologies but what about when as in the majority of cases today you're shopping and there's no qr code with all that broken down information well maybe you'll see a certificate or a certification or some other claim on the packaging or the product description but even then, you're not really sure what to make of it. You're not sure what the impact behind that statement really is. So the real answer is get informed. You know, keep learning about topics that we'll cover here on this podcast that can empower you with knowledge and with the tools to identify the social impact and the environmental consequences of our purchases. And when you see a certification, take just a few minutes to check out the Certifying Our Organization's website. To make sure that you understand what that certification stands for. As we discussed, one can emphasize fair wages while another may be focused on mitigating environmental degradation. So the more knowledge that you have, you'll just be able to empower yourself to identify and to support brands that promote the impact that you're looking for, that you're passionate about. So thank you so much for joining us today on Unlocking Impact. We so appreciate your time and your support. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the show. And as always, if you have any questions or you have topics that you'd like us to cover, email me directly at sarah at I hope you join us next week.